Well, as you can see in your bulletin, Bill and his family are traveling this week, so we are blessed to have Mike and Lou here with us today. Uh, Mike is here to bring the word that the Lord has blessed him with, that he is about to bless us with. So please, welcome Mike. Thank you, David. Great to be here today, and uh, if you take your bulletin, you can pull out the handout. I know uh, <clears throat> I'm a visual learner, and I know uh, I'm a list person, and so some of you may uh, may not be list people, and uh, you may look at this uh, handout and think, oh my goodness, is he going to go through every one of these, and uh, look at your watch and think, wow, but uh this is just a handout for you to go uh, off in your devotions this week, the next few weeks, and this month, and to, to look at the images and pictures of the Bible is what we're going to be talking about today. The Bible is such a deep, uh, you can't even call it a book, it's, uh, it's so much more than that. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the pictures of the Bible, and so this is just a few of the pictures from the Bible uh, that are listed within the Word of God. And the Bible talking about itself is what we're uh, talking about today. And if this, uh, if you think about the Jeopardy game, how many of you have seen the Jeopardy game? You've seen the Jeopardy game and they have columns and then they have a, a subject at the top. If this was a column uh, and the answers were provided for us, uh, not the answer, but we'd guess the answer. Uh, this, th we'd have to uh, guess the question, I'm sorry. But this would be, the, an the, uh, the category would be, uh, what are these images about? And it would be sword, truth, word, hammer, fire, and food. And each one of these would be... Uh, answered by this question. I'm no Alex Trebek, but uh, the question would be, what is the Bible? Because the Bible depicts itself with these images, and uh, we get these images of what the Bible is through these pictures, through these images, through these similes. And we can learn from each one of these what the Bible is about, what the purpose of the Bible is, and we can apply them to our lives uh, by looking at these and it really helps it for people who are visual learners because it helps us to understand what the Bible does within our lives. Hebrews uh, 14, I mean 4.12 uh, tells us that for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. And uh, there are many scriptures that teach us things. And so what we're going to do uh, is we're going to look at the, this list or this, these pictures that show us uh, what the Bible is. Does anyone remember uh, having a, being at church camp maybe and you lifted up this uh, Bible, the Word of God. Does anyone remember what that was called? It was called a sword drill, right, sword. 
That is another picture of what the Bible is. It was called a sword because the Bible is a sword. It teaches us that. So those are the things we're going to talk about today, the images of the Bible. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to talk about the images of the Bible. Our God and our Father, as we speak of your word, your breath, the fire, Father, the things, their food, the, the way your word speaks of itself, uh, teaches us so much about why we need it, why we need to read it, especially in today's society, a society filled with fear, a society that almost promotes fear of viruses, fear of uh, asteroids hitting the earth, uh, Father, and a fear of the unknown. They say that nothing occurs after death. They're wrong. Father, we, there, we live in this society that uh, needs the truth. That's another picture, Father. And so we need your breath, Father. So may we be in tune with what your word, the Bible, speaks to us today in 2020, Father, here in March. Father, may it apply directly to our lives. We need it now more than ever before in our life. Help us, Father, to listen to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The images of the Bible. There are some scriptures uh, that teach us what the Bible is. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, the man of God, will be equipped trained, ready for every good work. That's what the Bible says about itself. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work within you who believe. 2 Peter 2, 1, 20 and 21, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but in prophets. Through human beings, God spoke as they were carried along through the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul was even checked by the Bereans. They went home and they studied to make sure Paul was speaking uh, words of truth. They went home and checked him. And Psalms tells us, uh, thy word is a Remember? A what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against you. And speaking of God. See, the word speaks of itself in many different images. Light, lamp, uh, sword. Uh, it's likened to many things. It uses similes, images to depict itself. And the more that we focus really upon these pictures visually learn them and understand them, the purpose. Why is he calling the Bible a sword? Why is he calling the Bible a lamp? See, that's what we're doing. The more we do that, it helps us to understand and use it better and to rely on it better. First, let's speak of the sword. Uh, the sword, a double-edged sword, can cut both ways. Now, we don't go around using a sword today. Maybe the Marines do, but that, that's about it. We don't use a sword in today's society. They started out as daggers, as material before it became readily available, shifted from copper to bronze to iron, 
but it led to longer blades. But this is a double-edged sword. A sword, you could swing it to the left, to the right, thrust it up, thrust it down. You used the sharpened point. It cut, it penetrated. It was a weapon. Uh, so as we think of these words, that is all that the Bible is. It's a weapon. All those things and more. It cuts. It penetrates. The Bible is not, and I quote, an old book with pilgrim-like old-fashioned or archaic ideas. This is what one of my co-workers told me. He described it to me when we were talking about responses and opinions about things that were happening in today's society. That's how it was described to me. And that's the belief that's out there. That's archaic, it's old-fashioned, has pilgrim-like ideas. It's not to be used anymore or to be based in our society. It's just as this verse states. It's a weapon, it's sharp, it makes valid points. Get it? See what I did there with the uh, points? Did you get that? Okay, you with me? <laughs> yeah, you're with me. Some of you guys are with me. Sharp. You get that? Okay. All right. It makes the same points as it did 100 years ago, 1,100 years ago, 2,100 years ago. It doesn't matter. It's the same. A sword. Right? Today we're going to explore these imageries. Each image gives a purpose. All right? So how can we use the Bible in our churches and in our lives in the same way? I want you to finish this sentence, all right? Finish this sentence. The Bible is, go ahead, say it. This is the interactive part of the message. Okay, let me explain. This is where you speak back. All right, the Bible is? Word of God, very good. Word, Bible is? The sword of God, okay. All right, uh, what else? The Bible is? Truth, very good, that's a good one. Okay, First uh, Thessalonians 2.13 that I already said, is the Word of God. The Word of God. You know, when everyone said, well, I'll take your word for it, you know, that used to mean something. Uh, today, use, uh, you know, it's not as uh, meaningful. It's called the Word, God's mouthpiece. Orators, communicating His will to men. God communicating what He wants, how to act, how to treat others, how to receive salvation, what to do, what not to do. The Bible is his word. It speaks to us in its sacred pages. God speaks. He talks to our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirits, both personally and collectively as a group. Sometimes does the Bible make us mad, angry? Well, sure, we're humans. It's not going to say everything that we like to hear. He talks to us as a group. He talks to us personally. Whatever the inspired writers declare to be true and binding upon us, does it fly into conflict of today's opinions? Certainly does. Did it fly into conflict of the opinions 2,000 years ago? 4,000 years ago? Yes, it did. It flies it, it opposed to the cultures because humans are prone to go against God. The word is infallible. It was written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, free from all error or fact or doctrine or precept. In this society that has philosophies like it's all right to believe whatever you believe as long as you're sincere about it or as long as you don't affect me, believe whatever you want today. That, and the truth changes with each month, each year. And it may be different from what I believed 10 years ago. The Bible stands low, stands apart from man's words, man's philosophies. When someone says, I give you my word, it's like, I don't know if I trust that. 
<laughs> but when the Bible says this is God's word, ah, I can stand upon it. I can trust it because it's been proven. In the case of people who are the age of saving knowledge, it's the indispensable means of salvation. The gracious influence of the Holy Spirit convicts them to power and leads them to salvation through the blood of Jesus. It's the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, 17, someone else said truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Who said that? Jesus Christ. Who is actually the word of God. The Bible operates behind, beyond natural comprehension, sensing, touching, moving our hearts and soul and spirit. Now, I work in a jail, and you know, my family says about the only thing I know now are jail stories. And they get tired of hearing these jail stories, but that's all I have. So I have given countless Bibles to inmates in jail, and especially when they go on to prison, uh, they really want a Bible. Some of them don't even believe, but they really want a Bible. Serge, they say, can you give me a Bible? Some of them call me Sarge, and I say, I'm not Sarge, it's just Serge. They get confused. And, and, and I say, no, I'm not a Sarge, I just, I'm just Serge. Give me a Bible. I have to have a Bible before I go to prison. I said, okay, all right. Uh, there was a, a woman by the name of Wilma who started this when I started working at the jail 12 years ago. You may remember her. She would buy Bibles buy the case and bring them and I would keep them in my garage and I would get them out one by one and uh, I take them to jail and the reason I would do that and I still do that uh, I give them out at jail is because I don't care if they remember my words my words will fade my words will come and go they can forget my words for all that matters but the word <laughs> they can remember it and they will remember it. Long after I'm gone, they'll remember this. Because that's what lasts. James states we are but a vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. But the word of God is eternal. Recently, we had a male come back from serving a six-year prison sentence. He looked different, like he had been through a war. And uh, after a few days, I recognized him. And uh, he came up to me and uh, he said, do you remember me? It's after a few days being there at the jail. Because see, they come back for judicial release. They come back for other sentences that they didn't take care of and so on and so on. But uh, he come back and he said, uh, this just happened like a few days, a few days ago. And he said, uh, you remember me? And I said, yeah, I remember you. And he said, uh, well, I wondered. And then he pulled out a Bible that I'd written in the front. And he said, you remember this? I said, oh yeah, I remember that. I gave that to you. He goes, man, this helped. You won't believe how much this helped. And then just, we had made eye contact. Because we talked about specific verses in there beforehand. It contains transformation power, healing power, restoration ability, countless blessings, because it's the word of God. And understand it, in order to understand it better today, our focus is upon its images, its pictures, and it's easier for me to learn and even memorize something if I see it drawn out. Are you a visual learner? It helps me if I see it, right? So this is going to understand. Jeanette is. She's one. She shook her head. So she is listening, right? Is anyone else a visual learner? You've got to be visual learners. Okay. It helps if I see it. See it. So, you know, uh, Isaac Newton, 
You've heard of that guy. He said, I have a fundamental belief in the Bible as the word of God written by those who were inspired. I study the Bible daily. Do we? Ronald Reagan, I don't have this quote up here, but he stated this. All of the world's problems can be solved by the words in this book. Referring to the Bible. He was referring to the Bible. Helen Keller, she said, unless we form the habit of going to the Bible in bright moments as well as in trouble, we cannot fully respond to it, to its consolations, because we lack equilibrium between light and darkness. And if you don't know who Helen Keller is, look that up. Amazing woman. So let's take the next step. Since the Bible is the word of God, what difference does it make in our society? Years ago, people would uh, say this, uh, say these images, like word, give you a word. We've already talked about that a little bit. But uh, here are some images, just going to review these. These are, this is not comprehensive, but the word of God is Jesus. The word of God is the word of God. It's a word, it's a hammer, it's a fire, it's a house, it's a law, it's a mirror, it's a judge, it's a seed, it's a lamp, it's a truth, it's a guard, it's light, it's God's breath, it's rain, it's snow. Did you know that? It's life. And this is the Bible speaking of itself. These aren't words I've made up. These aren't images I've taken. These aren't pictures that I've created. They're pictures that the Bible uses, a double-edged sword. It's a bow, like a bow and arrow. It's gold. It's food. Specifically, milk, bread, and honey. And as I read through each one of those, you know, it just amazed me, these pictures. Now, the three we're going to talk about uh, from this point on, we're going to talk about six, actually, are Word of God, Truth, and Double-Edged Sword. The Word of God, Truth, and Double-Edged Sword, you know, as, as we focus upon these. The Word of God, these are the most familiar ones. The Word of God is God's form of communication to mankind. Truth, that which deals with reality. And a double-edged sword is an effective weapon that can be used offensively and defensively. Now, there's three probably obscure ones. You've probably heard studies on those or sermons on those. These last three are what we're going to focus on today. All right? So these last three, and they are a hammer, a fire, and food. The Bible's a hammer? Sure. That's what it says. In Jeremiah 23, 29, it actually has two images of what the word is. You can turn in your Bible to Jeremiah 23. Is not 23, 29, 23, 29 of Jeremiah. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. The word that's used here is a mighty hammer, like the one in the picture. It had a wooden handle, an iron head, and a wedge. Uh, on the other side, it was a tool consisting of a weighted head so that it would strike a small, specific area. Uh, it can be used to drive nails into wood, like wooden nails into wood, to shape metal, or to crush rock. That was its purpose. It was used for many different applications. You know, today, there are over 40 types of hammers today. You look that up on Google, that's amazing. 40 different types of hammers. Claw hammer, and some of you guys who work in carpentry, you'll know that. You have 40 types of hammer, Dave. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. You probably knew that. He's a woodworker. But anyway, this hammer was a, like a sledgehammer, 
And I want to apply this. A hammer is an instrument, as Jeremiah was speaking to the people of that day. The people of that day in Jeremiah chapter 1 were a people. Uh, uh, he was the prophet that spoke to the group of people, the uh, Israelites, and they were far from God. They were not listening to what God had to say. So Jeremiah calls them out, and he's telling them that they need to examine themselves. They need to examine their convictions. They need to examine their beliefs. They need to examine who they're following. And he says, it's not my word like a fire or like fire and like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. Two pictures that they would have understand, understood perfectly. Think about a time when you were reading the Bible and he hammered something home to you. And it hit you <laughs> like a hammer hit your head. The, the other day we were at, uh, that's a few weeks ago, we were at uh, Newport Aquarium. I don't know if you've been to Newport Aquarium and uh, you, you've been to the stingray exhibit where you pet the stingrays. Well, they have this little tunnel underneath there and you can go underneath there and it's mainly for kids and papaws, you know. And so uh, I went under with my grandson and I'm crawling on my hands and knees and it's not very tall. And uh, then in the middle of the stingrays, there's this tube that you can come up in, you know, and look out and see the stingrays. Well, I didn't know underneath the tunnel, it's all acrylic. And you can see those stingrays swimming over and eating food. And my grandson says the stingrays are smiling. You ever see those stingray faces? They're, they're really cool. It does look like they're smiling at us. But I was just enthralled by it. I'm looking around and all these kids, it was President's Day. That's when it was. And these kids are zooming around me. You know, and I'm on my hands and knees crawling, you know, and these kids are just zooming around us, and my grandson's waiting patiently, and it started getting real packed in there. I mean, you know, like sardines, and I was, uh, you know, getting a little bit claustrophobic, and I, you know, finally, there's these kids going by me, and I'm like, well, all right, that's enough, because I was, we were starting to get to the point where it was so crowded, and we were, they were cutting, and so I was like, all right, no more of this, so I put my arms out, <laughs> and I heard a parent yell from the back, you know, uh, Jimmy, you need to stop. <laughs> and so he knew that I had enough. You know, it was like, okay, no one else is cutting. And uh, Hunter then said, uh, boy, I'm glad you did that, Papa. It was our turn a long time ago. You know, but he didn't say nothing. So finally, we got up to this ramp. We got up there. We looked around, and it was so cool. But as I was coming back down, I hit my head. Boom. You don't realize how hard that, and it cut it. You know, because I, I, I reached up and I thought, you ever get struck in the head and you're, you're, that hurts because you don't realize how fast you're moving? Well, that's what happened. I was just glad I didn't pass out underneath there. Can you imagine that? All these kids, they just walked right over me to look at those stingrays. But uh, hopefully Hunter would have told uh, uh, Mamu. But anyway, the point is that uh, when you get struck in the head like a hammer, man, it not, it's like, whoa, this is reality. That's what the Bible says it describes. It's designed specifically this hammer. Really, its main purpose was to hit white hot steel. You know, boom, like a blacksmith to shape it. That's what the Bible was supposed to be used for. You ought to thank your preacher or a preacher, any preacher who strikes you on the head with the Bible. Huh? You ought to walk out and say, thank you, preacher, for stepping on my toes today. I really needed that. You ever done that to a preacher? 
Or you get mad and walk away and drive him down the church and say, I can't believe that preacher said that. I cannot believe that. I'm so mad at him. No, the Bible's a hammer. Jeremiah, he spoke to the people of that day, and it saved their country. See? A judge uses a type of hammer. It's called a gavel. He makes the final decisions. I don't know how many hundreds of times a week I get this question. What do you think the judge is going to do to me? I say, I have no idea because I'm not the judge. I can't read the judge's mind. That's my answer, always. A judge uses a hammer called a gavel. So the judge, the word of God is called a judge, too. And he strikes his, his gavel down. So as we think about it, we think about this being a hammer. We think, what does he have to hammer out in our life today? Think specifically, is it an attitude that needs to change? Is it a relationship that's divided between me and another person? Is it something between uh, me and a leader of the church? Hammer break I breaks items. Hammers has to be used repeatedly. That's the Bible. You can't just pick it up once. I read about this story. Who uh, he <clears throat> he was he thought well I'll get a Bible reading plan and that's what I encourage you to do get a consistent Bible reading plan. Uh, Proverbs has 31 chapters. Read one chapter a day, whatever corresponds to the date. Read a psalm. Add a hundred to it. Okay, it's psalm. Uh, today is the eighth. Read Psalm 108. And then just keep going with that. Okay, that's two from the Old Testament. And then read something from the beginning, Genesis, and start all the way through. Then read something from the New Testament. Okay, a chapter or two from the Gospels. Start in John. Start somewhere. But there's this guy who had this Bible reading. He said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to flip over and point to it. And that's it. I actually had a guy who did that. That was his Bible reading plan for the day. He just pointed to it. I don't recommend that. <laughs> you know, God speaks to us in various ways. But uh, there's a story about the man who did that. He said, uh, well, that's going to be my plan for the day. And uh, he, he did that. And he was told, he was actually told by a preacher to use this type of plan. He said, well, what I'll do, just if you're not reading the Bible, turn to a, uh, a chapter of the Bible and just start reading it. And so this, this gentleman was kind of wealthy. And so he flipped to the Bible and he turned to it. And he went back to the preacher and he said, hey, preacher, you told me to read this type of, type of Bible reading plan. I flipped to the Bible and I turned to chapter 11. So... <laughs> So I went out and I did chapter 11. I went bankrupt. Then I flipped back to chapter 7. <laughs> and now I don't have any money because I'm bankrupt. They don't, you don't follow that type of plan, okay? Follow a type of plan that's consistent and that is uh, daily Bible reading. Uh, a hammer has to be used repeatedly over and over and over again in a constructive way. A hammer can be constructive and it can be destructive. It can break down things. It can break down walls between a husband and a wife. It can break down walls between a preacher and a congregation. It can break down walls between brothers and sisters within a family. Uh, it can break down, the book will tear down things that are hindering or things that are hurting a relationship uh, that we need to have. The next, the Bible is a fire. We think about a fire. Jeremiah 23, 29, does not my wood burn like fire? Fire does what? It refines, it provides light, provides heat for cooking, warp. Fire consumes. Uh, 
why don't we read the Bible, ask the fire, the Holy Spirit, to expose us, to know God and amplify the fire within. How many times have we seen someone when they first become a Christian, what do we say? Man, they're on fire for the Lord. But after they've been a Christian for 50 years, it's like, how oh, they lost their fire. The fire comes from here. This is the fire. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's the fire. It never changes. A fire does this. A fire consumes. A fire uh, provides. And a fire burns. It, it consumes us. The Bible, when we read it, it is like a mine that the deeper you go, the deeper the gems get. And you're, you can do, read it your whole life, and you'll find bigger and bigger gems. Uh, read it prayerfully, asking it to change us. Don't miss the dynamic and the context. May it refine you and change you. A, a fire provides. It provides you. Well, how many times I've read through the book of Proverbs with that plan, and that day it spoke to something that I was going through. Um, a, a fire burns. A fire uh, you know, I, I don't have a fireplace, but I put on YouTube uh, at night to, or in the day to fall asleep because I work midnights, and I put on the fire to just fall asleep. My wife laughs at me, but it, I, I get the, I don't know, just the piece of the fire and the crackling, you know, and it's burning. Uh, the fire, just the sound of fire provides peace uh, to me. It reminds me of campfires as a kid or campfires at church camp. It reminds me of a bunch of stuff. A fire burns. It burns things that are unnecessary in your life. See, there's so much that we can apply to that. And then the last one, everybody loves this one. Food. Who doesn't like food? Who doesn't like the Bible? Well, there's people out there who don't like the Bible. It's amazing. But the Bible likens itself to food. Everybody needs food. They need it to live. Everyone needs the Bible to live. There are just some people that don't acknowledge the Bible to live. We can't live without it. Now, food does this. Food sustains life. It provides growth. And food can bring joy. And especially, it likens itself to three things. To milk, to bread, and honey. Psalm 119.103 says this. How sweet are your promises... To my taste more than honey to my mouth. Somebody at work gave me a, a jar of honey for Christmas, and the, the honey is just, it's, it's uh, local honey, and it's just, the taste is just amazing. Uh, it, it's promises. That was such a pleasure within that day thousands of years ago, and it still is today. It's the same as honey. Because it tastes good, it's last, it's sweet to our mouth. Revelation 10.9, see thousands of years later, John, in his revelation that he received through Jesus Christ, through the angel, he said, I went to the angel, Revelation 10.9, I went to the angel telling him to give me the little book. He said to me, take and eat it up. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. Also milk, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that when you grow up, it will be your salvation. Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature 
who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. If we're having trouble in this world of knowing a difference between right and wrong, well, Hebrews tells us, then we're not in the Word. Right there, that's what the Scripture says, Hebrews 5.14. Can't tell good from evil. John 6, 31 says, Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them the bread out of heaven. And now the bread out of heaven is right here. So these images, these images, what difference do they make? What difference do they make in our life? Well, food sustains life, provides growth, and brings joy. And the Bible is a sword. Let's go over the six things. That just the six things, not all the things on your list today, not being overwhelming. But just the six things that the Bible depicts, just the six images. First of all, the Bible is a sword, right? Second thing, the Bible is the Word of God, right? The Word. Third thing, the Bible is truth, right? Then what is the, the next thing? The Bible is a hammer, hammer. It's a, this week, if you have something that needs to be hammered out in your life by God... Allow him to do that. Attitudes, whatever it might be in your life, relationships, whatever they might be. All right. If, uh, and then what, what, is, what was the next one that we talked about? After hammer, it is something that crackles, pops with great wood. A fire. All right. Allow it to consume you. Allow it to think this has to be the best part of my day. Turn off the news. Turn off whatever it is, the blue screens. Turn them off, turn off the phone, set aside the phone, and just, just listen. Listen to what God has to say, all right? Uh, let it consume you. Let it provide for you, all right? And then it's food. Let it be the food for your soul. We do think, when is dinner time? We think that. When's supper time? When is my time with the Lord? When, is, when, is the, when am I going to eat my milk, my bread, and my honey? When am I going to do that today? Plan for it. That's the pictures. Those are the pictures. Or those are just a few. Hear him speak. Don't just read it. Need it. Need the word of God. Evaluate your life. And let, let God, he will do the speaking to us. It coordinates. Uh, he speaks to us. There's over 20 words in the Bible used to describe itself. May they inspire you today to dig deeper. This is just to whet your appetite. That's all it is. This is not a comprehensive study. I gave you a study, a bonus study on the back about colors, but that's, that's if you want to go deeper. But when I was eight, I saw this film in the basement of Hooverson Heights Church of Christ in Fallensby, West Virginia. And it was before Easter Sunday, and Jesus was on the cross. And he, it was old Bell and Howe film, you know, the 16 millimeter. And Jesus was on the cross, and he spoke out these words, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And those words by Jesus Christ, the word of truth, those words just hit me like a hammer. I remember. I was only eight or nine, and I just thought, why is he saying that God has forsaken him? Why? So I went to my dad, and I asked. My dad sat down with me and showed me scriptures and led me to the point where I knew I needed Jesus. I didn't know everything about it i didn't know everything about the gospel i didn't know everything about jesus christ but the word of god struck me like a hammer jesus's words 
And the word of God who was on the cross struck me like a hammer. I knew that I had sins and I knew I needed to get rid of them. And the blood of Jesus covered over my sins forward from that point and backward. And that's the way eternity in the kingdom works. We participate in it here and then on into eternity, which is amazing gift of salvation. It's free. If you're here today and you haven't been struck by the hammer, you haven't received it, may it strike you today in the same way it struck me. We only have so many chances before we depart from this earth. And we will have to stand before the judge. And he brings his gavel down. And that's final. You don't want to be separated from him. Please. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, thank you so much for these pictures that are so visual, so easy to understand, easy to comprehend in this world of non-truths and confusion and fears. May we adhere to your word. May we respond to your word today. Allow it to strike us like a hammer. May we be broken like a rock into pieces. May we be formed like a piece of steel. May we be penetrated as a sword penetrates bone and marrow. May we change through your Holy Spirit. Speak to us today, Father. If you haven't already, speak now. We were listening. We are listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have a decision, as we sing this song in this time, will you stand and will you come forward and make that decision? The elders here will help you, lead you through the Bible to salvation. Let's pray. I mean, let's stand and let's uh, prayerfully sing this song.